Hello, and welcome to The Mission with Zena Del Lowe, a podcast for artists and storytellers about changing the world for the better through story. As an artist, I'm continually amazed by the mystical divine orchestration that so often seems to be at work. Today marks episode 20 of this podcast, which means that this podcast has been in the works for the last 20 weeks. And yet, what's amazing about it is it feels like this episode was written for such a time as this. Why? Well, because it's crazy out there. If you're following what's happening in our country and all the vitriol and hatred that's being spouted, you know that it's crazy out there. My hope in this episode is that you will not only be able to navigate your fictional story world, but also that it will help you to navigate your very real one, the one that you're experiencing right now. So to that end, let's dive right in. Last week, we were talking about how you need to know the difference between what is a character flaw and what is a personality trait in your main character. And I said that in general, we work to accept our personality traits and we work to reform or repair our character flaws. However, I also said that that's not always the case. Sometimes we need to accept our character flaws and modify or change our personality traits. So you can't just think that if you put them in the right category, you're going to know what to have your character work on. So that means we need other criteria. So what are we looking for? Where do you find that? How do we identify that? Well, this is where I may be saying something controversial because the best place for people to find which qualities to have their character work on and which qualities to have them accept is to look for universal truths, universal moral truths that exist in the universe. The universal qualities that we have come to deem as either virtues or vices over time. Now, why is that controversial? Well, for one thing, I've just stated that I believe in objective moral truth, something that transcends time, culture, race, gender, etc. But that is not what's being touted in today's political climate. In fact, moral absolutists are actually being demonized right now in the marketplace of ideas. But remember what I said at the very beginning of this podcast? We are in a war. We are in a war over ideas and the battle begins with story because you see what's happening right now is that it's a battle over who's controlling the narrative whose narrative is going to win out because whoever controls the narrative controls the world and right now those who believe in absolute moral truth are actually being targeted and labeled as bigots as oppressive as evil even and they're being dismissed out of hand. And this, by the way, is called dogmatism. And the dogmatism is worse now than it's ever been, at least from my experience. Now, let me give you an example. The other day, I was on Twitter and I saw a Twitter profile. And in that Twitter profile, you can give a little description of yourself. And here's what hers had in all caps. So she's yelling at us. I hate Trump and I hate every Trump supporter. Okay, well, I'm not here to 
promote or deny or say anything good or bad about Trump. What I want to point out is that this is a person who has dismissed out of hand anybody who's voted for Trump. She has categorized them categorically as evil. She despises them, but she's never met them personally. So she's dismissing them out of hand. And see, this is the thing that's going to be more and more tempting in this political climate if it keeps on going the way it is. The temptation is going to be to become more dogmatic. Because you know what? Dogmatism is easy. It is so much easier to just decide and be done with it because you don't have to think. You don't have to do the hard work of actually analyzing or trying to understand somebody else's point of view. You can just dismiss people out of hand. It's so much easier. You basically give up the need to think, which is why we don't want to be dogmatists. Now, I imagine that about now you're wondering what any of this has to do with your main character and their qualities and whether or not they ought to accept or reject them. Well, as I said, one of the best ways to determine this is to start with universal truths. You are looking for qualities that have been lauded as virtuous over the test of time. And these are the things that your character should be trying to accept or embrace. Conversely, those qualities that have been universally deemed as a vice, these are the ones that your character should get rid of. They should address these. They should overcome these types of behaviors. If you just listen to the philosophical arguments out there, you will continue to be confused because what's happening is people are lauding things as virtues that are actually vices and vice versa. So my very first advice to you on that front is to, instead of just listening to the philosophical argument, start with yourself. Look inward. Your best resource is you when it comes to learning the difference between these two types of characteristics. You are a human being. You have everything you need to be able to know what is good and what is bad, when you feel convicted, when you feel like you've done something wrong. You know when it's icky, when somebody does it to you. You are your very best resource. And by the way, in order to do this, you have to be truly honest with yourself, which is something a dogmatist cannot do. So the more you are rigorously honest with yourself and self-reflective and self-introspective, the less likely you are to end up being a dogmatist and just dismissing people out of hand. And here's a freebie for you, by the way. There's no such thing as a true moral relativist when it comes to us personally. When it affects us personally, we are all absolutists. Let me tell you a story. So years ago, when I was in college, I had this college professor who wanted to prove moral relativism was true and that the universalist position was false. He wanted to show that all morality had evolved or been created by man, that there was no universal truth that had been put into the DNA or the fabric of the universe by some intelligent designer. So he did this by actually telling a story about a particular missionary. 
And in this story, he's talking about a missionary who goes to some remote village somewhere to preach the gospel. And when he gets to the part about Judas betraying Jesus, their faces lit up. They were relishing it. They loved it. They delighted. They clapped. This missionary apparently never even got to finish the story because they were so excited about Judas. Well, come to find out, this particular village, their highest virtue was betrayal. And they would sit around listening as the witch doctor would regale them with various stories of betrayal. It was their favorite thing. So again, what this professor was saying is, see, it's not written on our hearts. It isn't a universal concept. You're talking about it being true for all cultures at all times. Well, it's not true for this culture that betrayal is bad. Therefore, there's no such thing as absolute truth. And he asked me, can you imagine this? And I said, yes, I can imagine this. I can imagine a witch doctor regaling the villagers with a story of betrayal. I can imagine all of them elevating Judas to hero status and rejecting the message that the missionary presented to them. What I can't imagine is that very same witch doctor relishing betrayal if it happened to him personally. It is all very well and good to relish betrayal in theory, but when it happens to you personally, I'm guessing that that witch doctor would have a much different reaction. Let me give you another story to illustrate this point. There was a gal that I was friends with who absolutely claimed there was no such thing as objective truth. So I didn't argue. Instead, I told a story. I knew that this gal was deeply committed to the environment, which is a good thing, by the way. We should take care of our planet. Well, this gal was committed to the charge. So I told her a story about how I'd gone out on the lake with some friends. And we were lighting these little dynamite-type sticks and dropping them in the water where they would explode. And then it would cause the fish to float up to the surface and we would just scoop them up. And then I told her how one of the little sticks of dynamite caused a problem with our gas tanks. So now we had gas and oil spilling into the lake. And then I told her how we were scared we were going to be stranded out there if we drained all the gas in the lake. So one of us had to get in the water to try to stuff up the hole. But when we were doing that, somebody knocked over the cooler and all of our empty cans, plastic bags, and garbage spilled over into the lake and floated away. And I was laughing when I was telling her this even though I made up this story, by the way. And I looked at her, and her eyes were the size of saucers. And she said, what you just did was so wrong. Do you know what's going to happen to those fish? And you know what's going to happen because you spilled the oil and da-da-da-da-da? And I said, oh, so you do believe in absolute moral truth. So now that we're in agreement, let's talk about what those actually are. Now, my point is to illustrate that when it comes to objective moral truths, they are most revealed when it's personal. When we are the ones that wrong somebody else or behave badly, we're really good at justifying our own behavior. We can come up with a million reasons why it was acceptable for us to behave the way we did. But the minute somebody treats us that way, we have been wronged because when it affects us personally, we cannot stay relativist. 
Now, I'm sharing all this because I believe there are universal moral behaviors or qualities that you can see throughout the ages that can help you to determine if a quality that your character possesses is actually good or bad. Naturally, if it's good, they should keep it, and if it's bad, they should try to get rid of it. I'm so convinced of this that I would like to give you a cheat sheet. And here's the thing, it's going to come from the Bible. It comes from the Bible because the Bible is a great book of antiquity that records universal truths. All of the qualities that are listed manifest themselves in behavior. And this is very important and very apropos for your story because the fact of the matter is story is about behavior. Story is about character actions, character choices. Yes, we are revealing their true character. We're revealing what's stored up in their heart, who they really are at their core. But the way we reveal it is through actions. And by the way, this is true in the real world. So whether we're dealing with the story world or whether we're dealing with the people that are in your life right now, we reveal our true character through action. When it comes to positive character qualities, the Bible calls these the fruits of the Spirit. A person who stores good things in their heart will manifest the positive fruits of the Spirit. So if you have a character who is patient with wrongdoers or who is patient with a horrible boss or who is kind even to somebody that's homeless or to somebody that the world would see as being less than or who practices self-control, who doesn't allow himself to fly off the handle or who has a lot of peace in his spirit, who loves deeply, who has joy, who displays goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. These are good things. These are universal qualities that you want your character to keep. However, there's another list, and these are called the acts of the flesh, and they include sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies. Now, remember how I said that this episode not only applies to your story world, but it applies to what's happening in the world right now in reality? The truth of the matter is, there are some really good arguments out there. People are competing for your alliance, and you may find yourself confused. And what I would like to encourage you to do is to not just look at the arguments, but look at whether or not the people that are speaking the arguments are manifesting either the fruits of the spirit or the fruits of the flesh. Anybody who flies off the handle and goes into a fit of rage is probably not somebody whose arguments you want to fully inculcate into your being. They might have very beautiful, very convincing arguments, but if their life is manifesting in negative qualities such as the ones listed, then it might be a sign that you don't want to adopt their philosophies. The bottom line is that this list will help us to identify which characteristics your main character should work on and which ones he needs to accept. And the same applies to our lives today. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Mission with Zena Del Lowe.
May you go forth inspired to change the world for the better through story.